You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Brian Pellerin back here with you. John Marchant, Max Escarpio. Uh, Florida State, uh, I guess it's a two-game losing streak now. Four and two overall, 19-17, the final and a loss at NC State. I think it's one we had circled all season as the, uh, at least I said it was, I think, the one that least likely for FSU to win. And uh, chatting with you guys beforehand, it, it seemed like it maybe should have been one that they could have, should have won uh, now that they've actually played it. Uh, to be abundantly clear, I didn't catch a snap of this thing, but I'm here to host it regardless because I'm back in the U.S. and we haven't recorded it. I was out of the country, so I missed it. Uh, so you'll get dumb questions mostly for me. So uh, looking over the box score, where you lose seems pretty clear. 15 for 30 with two interceptions from Jordan Travis is a number that I don't think you expect to win with at all. Uh, John, is, is that a fair place to start on, on, on the criticisms of what went wrong here? I mean, you could start pretty much anywhere. It depends on which half of the game you're talking about. Not the second quarter. Oh. No, I mean, they. Look, Florida State played extremely well in the first half. I think they're averaging something like eight yards per care, eight yards per play, actually. Sorry. Um, or something like that. They just thoroughly dominated NC State. But this game, it was 2012 all over again. And 2012 is the worst game ever. Um, I cannot seem to shake that stupid game. Uh, My bachelor party was that night, long, long time ago. But, uh, you know, Florida State had gone up 16-0. And then losing 17-16 at the end of the game. Because NC State just couldn't be stopped and Florida State couldn't do a single thing right. And then you fast forward to 2022, 10 years later, right? And Florida State goes up, what was it, 17 to 3 or something? Ends up losing 19-17. It's just, ugh, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. I want a quick quick pause on the football conversation. Uh, that 2012 game, I would have been in my first semester of college. I've been just finished graduating high school while John was on his bachelor party. Max, you would have been what, like eighth grade? 2012? 2012, yeah. No, I was in eighth grade 2016. That's even better. Great. We get to make John feel old. Max was in Christ. fourth grade. <laughs> I'm logging off. I'm too old for this. But you know, I did. I just pulled up the box score, and it 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 is similar. I mean, you know, the first half it's sixteen zero, and then you're you're thoroughly dominated in the second half. Um, Max, I'll, I'll go to you, man. I, 
it looks like you had the chance to win this game. I mean, you rushed for 200 yards. Um, but again, it just looks like inefficiencies, turnovers and inefficiencies, possibly where, where you end up not coming through in this game. Yeah, I mean, the second half, it was just you needed to put your foot on the gas and, and put this team away. And that's that's just not what happened at all. Even when Leary got down, he saw Jack Chambers and he saw like what he can do, which was was basically nothing but rush the ball. So you thought like, like oh, if Florida State just like, can move the ball on offense, which they didn't do at all in the second half, they can just if they can just do small things in they couldn't do that in the second half, which hurt them. Other things that hurt them, I mean, Trayshawn Ward got injured, your lead running back, so that hurt them in the second half, and and penalties, of course, on the offensive line again. Yeah, it looks like Toafili struggled. Um, he had the one 12-yard touchdown run. Outside of that, it's going to be nine for 10. That I mean, that's not going to do it if he ends up being your uh, – looks like your lead. I mean, you know, Trey Benson only six for 25. I feel like you'd have probably turned to him as more of a lead back. That was That was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, they're looking at Tofili right now as lead back. They did in the game. I've seen it in practice. So, I mean, I agree with you that they should look at Trey Benson more, but I guess they, they see Tofili as more of a, like, he can do different things. So he can he can move out the pocket and, and try to catch that pass. So, look at him as lead back. I, I had actually just talked the week before because I'm, I am a, a college football DFS player, and uh, which sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. But one of those I was talking with some of my friends and, and they were like, you know, Jordan Travis was a fantasy darling because he ran a lot, um, but hasn't really put up numbers at all this year. But this this week, seven for 108, uh, did they turn to them him more as, as a runner in that absence as well? Was that stuff mostly posted early in the game? That's I mean, that's a pretty big chunk, seven for 108. Well, Sorry, Max. So like seven for one away, 71 yards of that came on one run. Yeah. We we were waiting for him to run all season, especially the Wake Forest game. He just kept handing it off, handing it off. And the play was there for him to keep it. It was there. Again, yeah. yeah, chunks of yards, a whole game, but he didn't do it. And we're like, okay, well, yeah, maybe he's still not 100% healthy. And then, you know, they play NC State and he does keep it. And he goes for 70 yards, almost scores. And then we didn't see it again for the rest of the game, really. I mean, he thought, I think he carried for one or two more times. But there's nothing like that. He just, I don't know. And the whole thing, Max was right. This whole game was like very frustrating. All the plays were there to be made, and they, Florida State just didn't make them. I think it's just like in the in the run game though. Like we've seen him because I've talked about it before. Probably sound like a broken record, but like when you saw him last year, when you saw him the year before that, he would put his head down right away after one second, after two seconds in the pocket, and run the ball. And even in that long play, he didn't do that. He waited. He looked to his right, and I know they had a play set, but it didn't work out, which got that big gain. And I guess he just didn't see that gap before. So if he's not seeing that open gap, that wide open gap, looks like he's not running this year. Yeah, it's interesting because it's what makes partly makes him so good. We were more concerned with him making the throws than we were his ability to run. We felt like we knew pretty confidently you had one of the fastest quarterbacks in the sport, which added such a different dynamic to this. And I think we would all agree that Jordan throwing the ball 30 times was likely going to mean you got beat pretty handily by anyone. And to see a low-scoring 17-19 where Jordan has to throw 30 times just doesn't feel right. It, do, it doesn't feel like the way Florida State would want to play this type of game. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned before, NC State did turn to a backup there. I mean, you held Leary in check. And Max, I think you made the right point. It, it feels like a team need, that this team needed to find that gear to step on it in the second half. Like I said, I, I didn't watch the game, um, but when I woke up the morning after, and I mentioned to you beforehand, and I didn't think John, you were on. The last thing I, the first thing I saw on Twitter in the morning, which was I guess overnight here, was Max's tweet that was like, "If you're going to hold this lead in the second half, you can't let Devin Leary get hot." You didn't even let him get hot, and you still managed to kind of give it away because you couldn't add to what you needed. What's missing? Like, I guess, you know, the injuries obviously plays part of it, but where is that uh, finishing touch that we saw earlier this season? I mean, I guess maybe we haven't seen it earlier this season looking back at the games. In my head, John, what do you think there? Um, That's a great question, and there's a lot of different places to go here. Uh 
this might sound like a little bit like a rant, but obviously this team doesn't know. They still have some growing to do, some learning to do about how to finish games and things like that. They uh, There's a lot of things that are frustrating about this game. You know, even when they finished the first half uh, with a big lead, they still should have had more points than that. I mean, you could argue that they should have had 24, maybe even arguably possibly 27. You know, you're averaging eight yards per play. They absolutely should have had more points than what they put on the board. Um, and I wasn't too concerned at the time because they had moved it so well compared to NC State. And you knew it was going to tighten up some. But, uh, you know, it had been pointed out that the Florida State had done a really good job scheme-wise of taking advantage of North Carolina State's linebackers, who are very good, by the way. Uh, taking advantage of how aggressive they were. And they pointed out on the broadcast, I think it was Tim Hasselbeck, about how they were keying hard on which side the running back was on, right? Which which side of to Travis he was set up to. And because that's normally, you know, that you can key off that which direction the running back's going to go. And then also at the same time, Florida State did not, uh, it took them too long to change up their cadence, right? So you had a lot of blitzes that, that NC State uh, had saw on film that they had keyed up because they kind of knew Florida State's cadence and how to time the snap. And then at the same time for NC State's offense in the first half, they there were plays there to be made against Florida State's defense and they didn't do it, right? Uh, Florida State continued to play in a too high safety shell, um, which would open up the running game. But NC State with Devin Lear continued to try to throw, right? And then in the second half, they stopped doing that, which is what you would expect them to do. And they started running the ball more. Which, again, to Max's point, which is how whenever their backup came in, they were still able to move the ball because, you know, running the QB changes the numbers. So they relied much more on the run and they just kind of ground it out. Again, Florida State should have put some points on the board, but they didn't do as good of a job. I, th I think scheming and play calling the second half, a lot of people pointed out how Norvell called way too many runs on first down. It just kept putting them in second and long and then third and long. Uh, seemed like way too many drives, three or four of them. The formula was the same. Run on first down for a yard, incomplete pass on second, and then have Travis try to make some magic on third. And then as the game wore on, wore on especially as NC State crept up and they took the lead, Travis started kind of forcing things. So it was a lot of different things. It was very, very, very frustrating, um, both from the coach's perspective. I think Norvell tried to take some, some fault for that. Um, and the play calling down the stretch, and uh, which I'm not counting the final play, by the way, where he where Travis threw the pick. But there's just a lot of things to this, and all Florida State needed to win this game. All they needed in the second half was a field goal, and you, they couldn't do it, and they couldn't. And part of that is is uh, Fitzgerald, the kicker, can't rely on him. And the other part of it is just you know, like I said, all the mistakes. And I think those pointed out too by by Bill Collin, uh, Connolly of ESPN had this graphic he put out. And he talked about uh, about this game. And, yeah, Florida State definitely played well enough to win. But I want to go back to the identity of this offense real quick, is that they rely on explosive plays. We thought that maybe, like, again, Brian, to your point, Max, that Travis would be running more, right, to fill in these gaps to keep the offense ahead of the sticks uh, in between those explosive plays. But that's not been happening this year. So you have the big explosive plays and then not much else. And when the explosive plays, again, because now you're facing more zone defense, teams are playing the two-high shell against Florida State. They're taking away the big play. What do you have left? And in the second half against NC State, it was nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, and although I, I agree, I have to, like, come out and say, like, I agree with that last play call. Not to Micah Pittman, but I agree with, with just keeping the offense out there and not trusting the kicker, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I guess I guess you can toss it to Johnny Wilson. You can toss it to other people. Johnny Wilson had around like three drops in the day. So, I mean, give it to Michael Pittman. I agree with that. A lot of people don't agree with me. But one of the biggest issues that I saw were the linebackers coming up, which made Jordan Travis uncomfortable. NC State had, NC State had, I think it was like six tackles for loss and eight QB hits. You just can't have that one. I mean, obviously they, they have the problems at offensive line and they keep building when, when these old linemen go down. But the linebackers were just suffocating them. Trey Benson ran it a couple times was barely able to get over two or three yards every single time. And then when your linebackers come up and those receivers are running just short slants, those corners are all over them and the safety's coming up. So that's hard to get you to your receivers, which we saw was, was super difficult because when they would go through the middle, the safety would come up and they're basically double covered. Right. And, and to that point too, Max, like 
I think, and some people have argued for it, it might be time to see Julian Armella at right tackle. Yes. I know the kid's young. I, some people think that Norvell is actually going to wait until after Clemson, you know, get him in the uh, practice with the ones uh, on the bye week and things like that. I think they should do it now before Clemson. I can understand though Norvell waiting. I get it. But, you know, it was they were much better against NC State with Robert Scott in the lineup yeah. than they were against Wake Forest. But it's still not – it still wasn't enough. Yeah, you've seen you've seen that that right tackle was just Jazz and Turntine mess up a couple times already. He's had flags almost every single game. Not just to call him out. I mean, other players like like Darius Washington has had tough, some tough games. But you need to start making shifts in that offensive line. Yeah, I mean they're 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 an average solid line, especially with Robert Scott in there. Without him, they're not. They don't have the depth at offensive tackle. But with him, they're much better. It's just you know. Again, it pointed to everything and it, the whole team. And we haven't really touched on this, but except in pieces, but the whole big picture is, there, is here is that the whole team had a meltdown, right? We haven't even gotten to Mastromano's stupid, ridiculous yeah, punt. Get there. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not trying to steal any of his It's just <laughs> everything about it. If he runs for that, it's a first down. And Florida State keeps the, the offense, goes back on the field again with plenty of time to score, chances to score. It just everything about the second half was just bad and dumb. It was it was what you expected the team to look like the second half against Louisville. Like I think that's kind of where my head was going. Was like yeah, to listen to both of you, and I, I'm sitting here trying to flip through it and keep up. I, I again I apologize. I, I literally just got back less than 24 hours ago. Uh, but it's it's what you'd expect right it, it felt like you if you didn't have your your starting quarterback and you didn't have your your best defensive players i mean looking at i mean like the, you mentioned the max Romano punt i i if if he kicks it 2 yards sooner nc state has the ball 60 yards down the field or whatever if he just runs it you get a first down instead he compounds both of them and gives them the ball and it it, it just nukes the whole thing as just a I don't know what it was I, I, I don't know Max did you or either one of you if you heard what Norvell had to say was that a design for him to keep it was he supposed to do that uh, was I didn't, he hear what no, I didn't hear what Norvell had to say but I saw the block and I don't know if it was like a safety or linebacker came on his right side mm-hmm. so he had to come back through with, with the block I mean I, I, I started screaming at my TV <laughs> already <laughs> But I don't think that was a design play. I think he was supposed to punt it. It just, it, it I. <laughs> he just wasn't thinking in the moment. That's, I mean, this, this game's going to haunt Florida State fans, especially this team, for a long time because the game was there. I mean, they were much closer to being NC State, who we, some of us believe is better than Wake. They were closer to being NC State than they were, I mean, uh, they, yeah, than they were against beating Wake. It was there. All you had to do is kick one field goal in the second half. Well, and you mentioned that, right? So it, it, we kind of breezed over it. And I want to go back to it. The, the the play calling decision and the the throw decision on the the last offensive play there. Um, you've got the drive. You're inside the twenty five. You have the ball down two. Obviously, I don't think any of the three of us really trust your kicker in that spot. I remember back leaning over to you in, in that opener against LSU on, on I think it was the maybe it was a second quarter, a third quarter missed field goal that. I felt like the ball was in the air longer than most punts. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how long the, that field goal was in the air. And so I don't, I don't think you trust him. And that's probably where in a spot you should feel really confident inside the 25. Um, but do you feel like they should be going four wide, air it out, straight drop back in that situation? Um, I know they tried to run it on first down with very little success on what looked like maybe an outside zone that didn't really work. Um, it, it, I, I don't. I want to go over for first the play, the the play call, the decision to put the ball in the air, uh, and then Jordan's decision to go for that. I guess one on one matchup with Pittman that was he did not look like he had any leverage, any position to win that one on one, or and the throw didn't really seem to give him any type of chance. It was lobbed up in the air and hope your guy goes and just makes a play. Uh, but I want to start again with that play call and kind of what we made of the choice to put the ball in the air there. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple reasons why they put the ball in the air. One being Trey Benson 
couldn't do much against those linebackers, couldn't do much against that defensive line. He was the one in the game, and so was Lawrence Tofili, who's who's more of a he, he's not usually in that in that twenty five range. He plays outside, so that play call was called in the second quarter. It worked with Michael Pittman. It was the exact same play call. The corner put him the wrong way. Um, I guess Travis said out he was going to lead him, and the ball was going to be there, which it was, just not for Michael Pittman. So I, I agree with it. Just like I said, I don't think it should have been thrown to Michael Pittman. I mean, you have some athletes like Malik McLean, like Johnny Wilson. I don't think the ball should have been thrown to Michael Pittman, but I thought, I guess, I guess they just thought it worked once. Let's go back to it. Yeah. It um, looks like an example of a play where he decided that that was going to be the guy he was going to beforehand. Like it, he, he's not under pressure. He's not, you know, they only rush four. It's not a blitz. It's not a blitz pickup. It's not a, I need to get this out of my hands. It was just like, I'm taking my one, two, three, stepping on my back heel and putting it out there. And Mike, I know he's going to be where he needs to be, but he really didn't have a chance. Yeah. And we know, we know Jordan Travis trusts Micah. We've seen it. I've seen it throughout practice. We've seen it throughout the whole season. That's one of his more trusted receivers. Even if he doesn't target him all the time, Micah's one of the most targeted players on the team aside from Johnny Wilson. But I guess he saw other players drop the ball on the right side because because most of the drops were on the right side, right slant where the linebackers came in for the rush. So I guess he was just targeting that zone to a player he trusted. Um, I have to agree with Max. I don't have any problem with the play call. I don't have any problem with the with the play design. Uh, I don't have any problem with calling that play in that moment. Um, again, I agree with Max. Travis likely went there because they'd run the slot fade four touchdown to Pittman early in the game. Pittman made a uh, ridiculous one-handed catch while being uh, uh, pass uh, defensive pass interference that was uncalled. And so, yeah, it's a, and Norvell said he had uh, Jordan Travis had I think five options on that play. One of them was that same slot fade. It's a timing route. So right as Pittman's supposed to be making his break, Travis lets go of the ball. But NC State has very good, uh, educated, smart defenders. And the guy, the kid recognized it. He rerouted Pittman and got there first. And that's so what happens sometimes when you run the same play twice. Me, again, I don't I don't fault Travis for it. It's just how it, it's how football. It's just how it goes sometimes, especially when you run those timing routes. Uh, me personally, I would have thrown it up to uh Johnny Wilson, six six in the end zone on a one 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 on one matchup at the boundary. Um, I know Johnny Wilson did not have a good night. He dropped several balls, especially in critical third down situations, which again, just like the weight game, uh, killed Florida state. But that's where I would have gone because six foot six against any corner in the country is a plus for Florida state. Uh, Pittman is a smaller kid, even though he's, he's a hell of a player. Uh, it's just one of those things. It's just a bang, bang play. Yeah. You go for it. And in the moment, it's just brutal and it sucks and everyone's going to second guess it, but there really was nothing wrong with it. It's just, that's how it goes. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest reasons why we can't really like, like come out and say, this is what they should have done or why didn't they do this? Or, or it's just because you trusted that receiver. You trusted Travis in that situation. And there's not much, it, it's just, I, I can't really describe it that much too. Cause it's just unfortunate football. Yeah. Well, and it, and you know, I, I more wanted to ask, having having now again watched us, we're sitting here. Uh, I, I don't know if I really disagree with the call either. I, I don't think you know. I just watched the Pittman touchdown. I, I see where you see there's a success. We've ran this. We've run this play before. It worked. We want to take a shot. Obviously, the run game isn't clicking for us at this point. You just tried it. It, it didn't exactly help you at all. Um, so I understand it. I understand where it came from. I guess my biggest issue with it comes from Jordan's um, decision-making. And I think it also compounds with the decision-making of the first interception um, where that was the same thing. It's a first down play. He is under pressure, but he stops, plants his feet. And it's just like he threw it into three red jerseys. Uh, and that was again, another first and 10. I I got to pull it back up, but I think you either have the lead or you're down two at that point, or I think you might be up one still, but it's, uh, it's the same. I, you know, it's, it's what we were worried about before the year in terms of 
the decision-making with the ball, you're, you're, you know, and I don't want it to be like, Oh, here comes a regression. You know, it's a game. It's one game. It's on the road. It's a, it's a conference opponent that we know is a team with a great defense. Um, you know, if he's going to try and make too much happen, then, then that's just something you're going to have to live with. If you're going to have to put it on your shoulders and make that type of play. Uh, personally, I'm, I, I don't think I'm really concerned about it. Obviously I think you've got to kind of wash it and, and head into the next game. John, is there any reason you think there's something to be concerned with with maybe Jordan's decision making there? No, absolutely not. Uh, and again, these two interceptions, as if we can't make it clear enough, are not the same. Uh, the pick no. at the end of the game is just again, it's it's just football. It happens. You get beat uh, on a play like that. Um, but the first pick, yeah, I think we were all surprised that Jordan threw it. And there's a reason why we're all surprised. And I don't think that that's something we would expect from him going forward. You know, all these issues we talked about, about him, the lack of his him running this year and all this other stuff. Um, on some level, you don't, you don't need to as much as he did last year. Because you have the receivers, because your passing game is so explosive, because Travis has took a near unprecedented step in his development that just you just don't see hardly ever. Um, you just don't. And I, I think, you know, trusting Travis and putting the ball into his hands in the passing game is the right move. It's just, again, it's going to happen. Yeah. He's a college kid. His career is still young. Right. Uh, we hope um, it's it just, yeah, that was a really bad pick. It was a bad decision, um, but it wasn't the same as, as the one that in the game side, so but that's why, again, I was so surprised by that. I don't think that's a thing that's going to happen a lot going forward. Yeah, and you think you you hope he's just got a short mind and a short mind, a short memory on that one and could just kind of wipe it from his mind and move on. Speaking of moving on, any other last thoughts before I I look ahead to the Clemson game this week? Anybody, I don't want to live anything out. If there's anything important, no fire um, Norvells, send Fuller back to wherever he came from. Or? Well, Florida State, first of all, needs to get healthy, right? And I know they got they got Clemson. Uh it's okay that they lost to NC State and Wake Forest. Whatever happened against Clemson, this is a good team. Even if they start 4-0 and end up 4-3 and before the rest of the schedule, this is still a good team. In my opinion, it is a top 20 to top 25 program uh, this year. Um, it's just, you know, they're not quite there yet. They don't have as much depth to handle injuries and still win as other teams. And they've had a ridiculous amount of injuries. They just need to get healthy. And I think one of the – I might sound crazy when I say this, one of the more fortunate things of this game was that Florida state played close to the worst we've seen them, the worst we've seen them this year in that second half, close to the worst we've seen them since one of those games last year. And they still, they were still going against a top level defense. They were still facing some, some good talent. So just like I said, I might sound crazy, but I think this loss will help them. I think it'll help them mentally. I, I think it'll help Jordan Travis kind of like calm down and see what he can do. And I think it'll, it'll kind of, it kind of showed us that like, they're still good. They're still facing this team and they, they didn't play, they, they played a terrible second half, but they were still in it and they were still fighting. Right. That's a great point. They, they play about as bad of a half of football as you could possibly exactly. play. And they still almost beat a top 10 team on the road. That I don't care what the record is. This is a good team. And it's no shame. And again, we were talking about before a couple of weeks ago, this might be one of the best divisions in college football this year in the ACC Atlantic. And it's not a shame. I thought that they might be the third best team in, in the conference, you know, maybe the second best in the Atlantic. And if they end up being fourth behind Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest, okay. But, you know, that's that's not as bad as it would be as like saying you're fourth in the Big Ten in any division up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think, and you know, I, I do think – there is a different way to look at it, right? There is the, these are some of the same errors you saw a year ago. Oh, we're a little suspect here. We don't quite have the depth. If there's an injury to the starting running back, despite having three guys you feel confident in the running game explodes. Um, but I do think the right perspective is maybe everyone's got just a tad, tad, tad ahead of themselves with a four and start. You know, I think before the year we would have said, if you can take one of the three games in this run, great. You you kind of knew Wake, NC State, Clemson was going to be a tough set. You still have a chance to do it. I don't think anyone kind of expected 3-0 and through this run, but after you start 4-0, and you can see the, the way to paint that into picture 
where if you say, okay, we take care of Wake, we're better than NC State, they're not clicking, we can do this. And I, and I, I don't think this is the jump ship moment. Uh, you still handle business the rest of the way. You're eight and four, which is what you would have taken when the year started. Uh, right. You know, that, that type of stuff is still plenty on the table. So it's not a reason to panic. It's not a runaway. Two losses in a row isn't the end of the world. And if it ends up being three, then so be it. You've got a bye week, lick your wounds, get back up and, and handle your business that's in front of you, which I think is Georgia Tech the week after the bye. I love yeah, that bye week is right now. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's, you need it. Yeah, up, you need it. <laughs> and it working out. Well, that's the thing. Even unless Florida State loses by, like, say, three or four touchdowns at Clemson, they're almost certainly going to be favored in every game the rest of the way. So. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think any of the rest of the schedule is that over what Syracuse maybe. Syracuse. Uh, may, that might be the closest on, one. Yeah, depending, I guess, on what they do this weekend. And, and um, is, is Tyler Van Dyke back? Is, is Miami bad? They had one game where they looked really good against a bad UNC defense, but they still lost. No, they're terrible. Aren't they, aren't they, um, aren't they two and three or something? Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, that that one's that one's interesting. I guess a conversation for a different day. But yeah, I mean, you you get the chance here against Clemson, where it's it's take your shade. It is Georgia Tech the week after? But you get them at home uh, on ABC in a, in a primetime kickoff game. And I think if you if you were sat back and said. This game was going to be in a primetime window. I think you're happy with how your season probably started, right? You have to imagine you're in this four and two spot or maybe three and three, and you've got a real shot at, at doing something here. And I think that's what you wanted. You want the night game at Doak and, and you get a chance to have your team and your, your crowd excited. My big concern is uh, John's guy, DJ has looked good uh, heading into this game. They've been pretty good. Um, uh, 30 points or more in each of their last five. Uh, I think they also had 30 against Georgia Tech at the beginning. I don't, I don't see that right in front of me right now. But um, he's been pretty good. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. I, I don't know if they figured it out. I was watching one of their games earlier this year. I think it was the Wake Forest game. They were talking about they're using the tight ends more. Uh, what's your confidence level like, John, facing your boy, DJ? Mm, first of all, he's he's not my boy. Um, <laughs> nice try to slip that one in there, like I didn't notice. So, yeah, um, it depends. It depends on whether or not you believe that he's really turned the corner with his play. I I still would like to see him see what he does against Florida State. Let's just say that because I do think Florida State does have a good defense this year. They're very solid. Um, they played almost as well as as Clemson's defense, who is still loaded. Uh, by the way, but uh, so I want to see how he does against Florida State. If he's really turned a corner, this is probably an almost impossible game for Florida State to win. If he hasn't, we'll see. I think they, I mean, they they did wake up uh, and pull away against Boston College last week, but if I remember correctly, in the beginning of the game, they punted like a whole bunch of times. They couldn't do anything against Boston College for most, I think, of the first half. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. But it really just depends. Um, I, I mean, I have watched some some breakdowns. I think Mike Lennon, of all people, actually had a good one on Twitter. He had posted the other week. Um, and it's got legitimate reasons behind it to believe that he has to in the corner. But I think consistency is still something that is probably going to hurt his play. Uh, I just... I don't think he is someone you can rely on to say, okay, yes, now he's going to play at this level for the rest of his career or this season or every game or anything like that. Well, to your point, I've got the drive chart in front of me. It was field goal, uh, three plays interception, three and out, three and out, three and out, uh, five plays punt, then a touchdown before half. Second half is a five drive, drive play, touchdown drive, then three and out, three and out, touchdown, three and out. Four plays, negative two yards, and a missed field goal, and then a six-play touchdown drive. There's no, there's no sustained drives in there. The longest drive in there, I think, is eight yards. Is eight That's plays. a lot of three outs against Boston College. Right, yeah. and Boston College does not have a good defense. And the other part is, the thing about DJ and his numbers is all his numbers. It went back to whenever before you know last season, the season before, right when he started coming in a little bit and playing here and there, and he had some good numbers. I think he threw for a bunch of yards and I don't know it was like five or ten touchdowns and no picks or something you look at that offense it's all like screens and short passes and very easy stuff to him and tons of it's relying on the receivers who they recruited you know 
for the last 15 years, it, you know, historically well, it their receivers are not up to that level back when they had, you know, Mike Williams and, and New Hopkins and things like that, but guys like that. But um, yeah, it's just a lot of easy stuff. And then yards after the catch, that's what he relies on. So he ends up racking up all these huge things, but they don't ask him to do a lot. And again, I haven't seen him last couple of weeks as much as I'd like to. So obviously I think he might be one of the big keys to this game is how well he plays as to whether or not Florida state's going to win or not. But um, I don't know. It's just, I I'm still, to me, the jury's still out. It wouldn't surprise me if he is actually legitimately good. Now he was a five-star coming out of high school for a reason, but his, his ability or inability to read the field for me and read defenses is just something. I don't think you just flip it like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's going to throw a pick this weekend. So. We'll see. Probably. There it is. Write it in stone. Interception will happen. <laughs> Max tweeted directly at him. If it, well, as soon as it happens, let's blow up Max's Twitter. Stone cold uh, luck. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that does um, pop out to me against Boston College as well is Will Shipley, ten carries for thirty three yards. As I, I, he's been, That's, he's their workhorse guy. DJ is the one actually leading carrier. Twelve yeah. carries for sixty nine. That's what surprised me too, because when I, because I've, I've seen this. This defense against the run, just like we talked about before, Robert Cooper has been Robert Cooper. We, Florida State doesn't have Fabian Levitt, so they have holes on that on that defensive line. And I saw what Wake Forest's running backs did. I saw what just – I guess I saw what Jack Chambers did too. And I was scared of Will Shapley and what he can do to Florida State. But then I looked at his numbers and I, I, I think they have the ability to stop them, even though Will Shapley does – can go out in the slot and, and catch a pass. But – I think Will Shipley and the Clemson defensive line are the biggest storylines for Florida State to focus on. Yeah, and and you mentioned Cooper. Update injury-wise, I know he's been banged up a lot. Well, he practiced today. He practiced fully with no restraint, so he's looking good right now. That's good to hear. Uh, The other other numbers that jumped out looking at their stats is uh, Boston College's rushing yards from last week. 30 carries for... uh, 34 yards. That's a a 1.1 per attempt there. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about it, John, this defensive line being very good for Clemson's, which, you know, is kind of their thing. Uh, if you're missing Treshawn or, or a limited Treshawn, I, I think you're really going to have to possibly fire up Jordan's wheels to give yourself a chance to really move the ball in this one and find that run game. Max, you're nodding vigorously. I completely <laughs> agree because I think just like – Jordan's that Jordan's that elusive can find the gap and, and Trey Benson needs to get a hit first, or he needs to, he needs a specific run for him to succeed. Jordan Travis, Trayshawn Ward, they don't. So yeah, you're right. They, he definitely needs to, to put his head down and start running this weekend. So I think this defensive line for Clemson is the best one that this offensive line is going to face all year. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to have to do design rollouts to get Travis out of the pocket moving. Um, I, I do expect Florida State's offensive line to struggle quite a bit in this game. So because of that, I do think the running game will struggle unless, you know, you always have the read toss or whatever the, you know, the power toss, whatever they call it, right. Where the Jordan, uh, you know, pitches it out wide, right. Uh, to get the running back out, out split out outside the pocket really quick. I yeah. think they could do some of that. You need to move Clemson laterally, even though they're, they're you know, because Clemson's secondary is not very good against the pass. They have not been all year. Um, it, it is unfortunate, but also extremely obvious in FSU's luck that Clemson's defensive line, who's very, very talented, has not played together pretty much the entire season. And, of course, everyone will be back for this game. It is the uh, it's just exactly what you knew would happen because that's Florida State's luck. Um, so again, and it's not that you know uh, Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell haven't schemed around this before. They're just going to have to do it again. I got rollouts, quick pitches, you know, to the running backs to get them out wide. Just you know, uh, maybe some midline reads, just something, anything to like you said. You know, Travis will have to run in this game because that changes the numbers, right? If you're just running straight with like Trey Benson you're probably not going to get a whole lot of production out of it just because their defensive line is very, very good. Um, but again, we know that Clemson's secondary can be attacked, especially vertically down the field. That just happens to be one of Florida State's best strengths on offense. So 
I'm hoping, yeah, you got to mix in the run here, there, try to keep uh, Clemson honest, run some screens, which I know Norvell tried to go to NC State several times at the beginning of that game and just bad luck with certain situational, you know, issues with the, you know, offsides or other, you know, missed block or things like that. They didn't spring. But um, I do think Norvell has a well-designed screen screen game. So I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff, right? Maybe even some, some bubble uh, throws and things like that. So they're going to scheme up ways to get around Clemson's defensive line. They're definitely going to take a bunch of shot plays, probably on, a, on another slot fade. I mean, they've been running that since before Ja'Kai Douglas gets Notre Dame to open last season. They've been running that slot fade forever. So it's not like they're just going to drop it now. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, again, Clemson Clemson is – their defensive line is going to be the best that Florida State faces this year, but their secondary is vulnerable, and you got to get 30 points yeah, at least. You might need 35 to win this game. Uh, put your feet to the fire, John. Minus three and a half. Clemson is your is the favorite. Who do you got? I have to go Clemson. Although I'm going to say that when our staff predictions go up on Friday, I'm going to pick Florida State just because. <laughs> but but my head tells me Clemson wins this game just because. Uh, the disappointing long stretches of bad play that we got against Wake and NC State. I hope the team is pissed. I hope Mike Novell actually decides to work the refs this time. Uh, but from what we've seen the last two weeks, I have to go with Clemson. Max, your turn. Yeah, sadly, I have to take the, the Clemson two and go with three straight losses for Florida State. Oh. If it was just DJ, if it was just the, the defensive line, I mean, I guess you can you can call this a game, but there's too much injury-wise, there's too much adversity that the Florida State is facing right now to come out with this win. Man, I was really hoping to be the one, the one sad guy going with Clemson, but I am the Clemson guy. I'm, I'm part of the crew. How about that? Yeah, I, I, um, I feel like Clemson has played extremely well this season and is not getting any of the credit nationally for it. I feel like they're, they're somehow flying under the radar for it, and I, I don't understand it. Um, I, I, again, I just rattled off a lot of the three and outs, but. You know, a lot of the other drives are six plays and 80 yards. You know, they, they are a big play team and are, or I guess have been a big play team or chunk play team. Um, and and if, if they've got that with this defense and this defensive line, it's going to be very hard. And, and the the way Florida State is trending right now, it's, it's just tough to say you think they will win, though, as John said, I, I don't think there's a reason to believe they can't win. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think there is a, a legitimate chance they win like we talked about all year. This team has a puncher's chance in every single game. And, yes, that includes what is one of the best teams in the country in Clemson because, for starters, you've got them at home. And we just saw a year ago what you were able to do against Notre Dame and, and a couple other teams even when you were worse than the team you're putting on the field today. Um, you know, is that enough to translate and all of a sudden you're going to be better this week? I don't know. I mean, possibly. Uh, but – you know, you've got you've got the ability to go out and, and win a big game here. And, and maybe that is enough to, to set them up and say, let's go do this thing right here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what we talked about before. You need those big plays against Clemson. You don't need one. You don't need two. You need multiple. And you need to be able to open that those receivers to get down the field. And I'm not writing Florida State completely off, but I am going to say that their their offense needs to get some tricks out of their bag. They're going to need to just just pull some some news, pull some, some trick plays, things like that to beat this team. Well, like <laughs> it would be well within the ability of this team and maybe even their identity to go out after laying eggs against Wake and NC State, especially to come out and beat Clemson at home. So even though I think we're all being negative about this game right now, I don't, I don't want people who are listening to think that we don't think Florida State has a chance because they could absolutely right. win this game. They are going to be competitive pretty much in every single game. They got, they're going to be favored, I think, in every game after Clemson. Um, it, they can win this game. They just have to pay, play a complete game. And, again, we were disappointing that we didn't get that against, against Wake Forest uh, with their horrific second quarter and then the whole entire second half of North Carolina State. But they can – they can. They're they're able to. They just they they need to go out and do it. If I if I can ask you, what does Florida State need to do both on the defensive and offensive side to win this game? 
to be able to secure the win against number four Clemson, what's the specific things needed to do? So the defense needs to do what they've been doing this whole season, which is lead or be around the top of the country and limiting big explosive plays, right? So the two things we're going to see, because again, like Brian pointed out with some of the drives against Boston College, they are explosive team that just like Florida State, that's how they'll win. So if the defense, you have to stay too high shell and limit the explosive plays. The problem with that is you are going to see DJ run and Shipley is the best player on their offense and he is their biggest threat. So those are the two things that you have to worry about. It's going to be tough to stop Clemson's running game. Not that their offensive line is fantastic, but you do are, I'm assuming at this point that Fabian Love is not going to play. So that's a huge blow to the ability to stop Clemson's running game. So, but that's what you have to do. Can you stop Clemson's running game from a too high shell so that they don't, because it's pick your poison. You could argue too, that maybe Florida State should walk a safety down. You're going to give up a few more big plays, but if you shut down the running game, more is that trade-off worth it, right? It could possibly be. Some people argue that that's what they should have done against Wake Forest, and they get maybe even NC State in the second half of that game. You, it's not that different than Mark Stoops's. I think you know right before Florida State won a national championship with Jeremy Pruitt, they had that too high like cover two shell uh, that they played all the time. It's a very similar style, right? Um, I know Florida State here plays a lot of cover two man with Adam Fuller. So number one, limited explosive plays. See if you can stop Clemson's running game while playing a too high safety shell. Uh, if you can't, maybe walk a safety down and take some chances without giving up uh, those big plays. And number two on offense, you have to play a complete game. I know, again, you li- it's just like living and dying by a three-point shot if you're a college basketball team, right? Sometimes you're going to pour on the buckets and sometimes you're, you're going to have a dry spell. That's what happened against NC State. But you have to find a way to stay ahead of the chains and move the ball consistently when those shot plays aren't there. And those are the two things. If Florida State can – because, again, we saw Mike Norvell manufacture out of thin air three points at the the end of the first half against NC State. Doing things like that, right, having smart special teams play. uh, And then, again, just whenever those shot plays aren't there, right, find a way to stay ahead of the sticks and keep the offense on the field, convert those third downs. That's, again, killed them against NC State and killed them against Wake, is those um, critical situational plays, third and down, third and long, whatever it is, you've got to find a way to stay on the field. Uh, You do that. Sorry, real quick, I just wanted this. You do that, and I think Florida State scores 35, maybe 35 points. And you're a tight game in the fourth quarter. That's what it is. Anyone's got a chance. Yeah, I mean, I would say you also probably want to – the main thing for me would obviously, and it's a very obvious one in football, but it's, it's just limit the turnovers. I mean, Clemson is, is one of the best teams in the country so far this year in turnover margin. They're I think plus five, I think it was 10 taken away and and five given up. Um, you know, their odds are not going to give you the short field. If you can get it great, then wonderful. Um, but you, you can't have the, the, what was that throw or the, uh, mixed up handoffs you saw against Wake Forest. You, you you can't have that. You can't be giving them the short fields, although they're possibly unlikely to do it. Another thing would be great is if the offense can also sustain drives. If you could shorten the game and give them fewer opportunities to hit the chunk place, fewer opportunities to, to be that type of uh, explosive. If you can give them, you know, maybe four possessions in the first half and three of those are three and out, then great. They got seven. You're in it. You know, I think yeah. if you can find a way to do that, then awesome. Right. And that's that's going to be one of the key things, because here's the downside. to If you if you force Clemson to not be explosive and you keep everything in front of you and you make DJ march down the field, I think that plays into your advantage if you're Florida State. However, if by doing that, you're giving up five or six yards per carry like they did to NC State and you keep getting into third and three and they keep running for five yards on the first down and grinding it out, that's just going to chew you up. And you see what I'm saying? And that's why right. some people thought that, yeah, maybe Florida State should walk a safety down, be a little bit more aggressive, maybe even show too high or play cover four, something that gets the safeties a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage so you can run one of them down to help in, in the in the run game. But still, again, try to cover and keep everything in front of you in the pass game. You Again, you could argue for all the things we talked about, Adam Fuller and his blitz packages and how aggressive he likes to be, that they've been pretty conservative this year and that maybe they should be a little bit more aggressive. And how do you find that balance between not letting Clemson be explosive, trying to force DJ to execute 
you know, 10 play drives so that you do force him into a mistake because you think he'll do that eventually. Uh, but again, if Clemson instead just runs it down your throat and you can't keep them, keep them off the field, then that, I mean, yeah, that, you know, you're screwed either way. You just, you got to figure that out. How, how important do you think it's going to be for Florida state to attack early and to get on the board early to make sure you put that pressure on DJ? Uh, hugely important. They tried to do that right out of the gate. I think it's Wake Forest, right? It wasn't the first play of the game, a shot play to Johnny Wilson. Uh, you know, and, and they they were explosive against NC State. They just couldn't do anything in the second half. I think it's massively important. If you can go up 14-3 or something on Clemson, you know, by being aggressive in the first quarter, I mean, that's an enormous help. All you got to do is finish the game, right? Uh, and I think that you, if you're Florida State, you just have to keep attacking over and over and over again. Um Again, we saw all year against Wake Forest, against pretty much everybody that Clemson's played. Their secondary is vulnerable. You have to attack vertically down the field, though. Because if you, excuse me, if you try to dink it and dunk it and throw 10 yards and all this other stuff, it's just not going to work. And, you know, I don't know that, I don't know what the state of Clemson's linebackers were. I know NC State did. See, one of the big developments, too, in Travis this year is his ability to attack the middle of the field, especially 10 to 25, 30 yards down the field. He didn't do that in any previous season. Part of that was receivers, but a lot of it was him. He's not only doing that, but doing it at a very high level. NC State and their and their excellent linebacker play took that away. And you could tell the offense really missed that. Can Clemson take that away? I don't know. We're going to find out. Um but if if Travis is hitting those 15-yard digs and all the other kind of stuff or those skinny bang bang a posts uh in the middle of the field, then I think Florida State's gonna be gonna have a definitely a good shot. Well, I guess we're gonna find out, aren't we? 7:30? Is that the right time? Or is it just, I think it's 7:30. I wrote it in the Pix article like literally yeah, just two hours ago. My brain is incapable of remembering anything at this point. Yeah, 7:30. Thank you, John. Uh Saturday night, that's that's what you want, right? The primetime kickoff in Doak. It should be exciting. An ABC game, uh, maybe maybe a little return of the magic, right? Is this is this the is this the one? Could be. We'll find out on Saturday. We'll be back. Uh, regularly scheduled programming next week. This will be dropping on Monday instead of this this weird Wednesday drop we've got going. I apologize again. I was out of town. So now that we're back, full schedule, full team. We'll have the Clemson recap and uh, I guess a a early season review starting next week when we return uh, from the Clemson game again on Monday. So until then, take your time, enjoy yourself, have fun out there this weekend. Not too much fun. That's a wrap. 